Stuart, Arnie, Jacob, podcasters, reviewers, searching for a film that can be both smart and entertaining. Then the upcoming release of The Avengers alters their movie viewing. And now the podcast hosts watch each and every film based on Marvel Comics' The Incredible Hulk. They're watching all Marvel movies and reviewing each at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Hulk series contains detailed spoilers for the Hulk TV movies and Ang Lee film, as well as mild language and subjects. Listener discretion is advised for the conversation that dwells within. Today we're discussing The Incredible Hulk Returns, starring Bill Bixby, Jack Colvin, Lou Ferrigno, Lee Purcell, Charles Napier, Eric Kramer, Steve Levitt, and directed by Nicholas Coria. I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, a nice guy who just happens to enjoy pounding evildoers into oblivion. And like the Hulk, Stuart in L.A. returns for more abuse. I'm sorry, this is Jacob, actually. (laughs) Why am I yelling Odin during a Hulk movie? Strange. I guess we'll get into it. Why am I wearing furs? These are things we have to ask. (laughs) But yes, we are back with The Incredible Hulk. Many, many years after the show was canceled. show was canceled in 82. And by the time 1988 came around, again, I think we've talked about this. When you're a child, time seems so much longer. And when 1988 came and I saw previews on NBC that... The Incredible Hulk was going to be on television. I'm like, wow, that show from so long ago. Now it's only been five years since Spider-Man 3. I'm like, mother bleepers are rebooting it already. (laughs) But true enough, though, you're talking about second grade and eighth grade. Well, yeah, you are a whole different person by the time you reach that, even if the span of years. I would dare say that those are probably the most transformative years of our lives. So it makes sense that it would seem like a radical amount of time had passed since the Hulk movie. Honestly, I don't know that I knew that this ever came out. And this was during a TV watching phase. I was watching a lot of TV between the years of 1987 and 1990. And I don't remember this coming out. Nope, I don't either. You said already this is 88. This is about a year before I really got into comic books, but this totally flew under my radar. I remember watching The Hulk as a kid. Didn't have a clue about this one until we watched it for the show. Why did it come back? Well, it came back because of really one man, and that man's name is Bixby. Mm, needed a paycheck, eh? Well, <laughs> y- you know what? You could say that, and you might not be entirely wrong, but he seems to be the kind of guy from all my reading about him. I don't, I never knew the man personally, but from what I read, he's the kind who would get really into and attached to his projects. Maybe he just liked the routine of having to series television, but when the courtship of Eddie's father got canceled, he took that really hard. When the Hulk got canceled, especially never getting the closure that they wanted, where his trial was resolved and cured of the Hulk, he immediately, right after the show was canceled, got to work trying to get a reunion started and a TV movie going, and he actually called up the star of CBS's 
Spider-Man TV series and said, hey, we should do a crossover and pitched and got the networks and studios all on board for a Hulk Spider-Man TV movie in 1984. What happened? Lou was busy doing something, and the studios <laughs> wouldn't do it without Lou. He, I think he was filming Hercules. Oh, my God. That is quite a step down from even that last thing I just watched. Lou, what are you thinking? But <laughs> I know what he's thinking. I don't have to put on the Tina Turner wig and green paint this time. I can be the star of my own Swords and Sandal movie. And, I mean, it was a big thing for Bixby to try to get that, because Spider-Man and Hulk were done by two different companies, keep in mind. So he had gotten those two companies to agree to rights and everything, but it seemed like one of the companies wasn't too into it. When Lou wasn't available, they weren't even going to delay. They were just like, uh uh-uh, done. Bixby persevered and, you know, CBS canceled the Hulk. They weren't interested. Universal, the series, didn't really do it. So he teamed up with... New World Television, once again, coming back to our Marvel retrospective. (laughs) Oh, no. When no one else can get it done on the cheap, call Corman. (laughs) This may, in fact, be the seed planted that would grow into Punisher and Fantastic Four. But Mm. Bixby started his own production studio, teamed with New World, and went to NBC, CBS's rival, and said, hey, I got a movie for you. And NBC said, let's do it. And so this is what became, and it took six years for it to happen. But I remember being so primed for this when I heard it was coming. I watched it first run, first night. I mean, I even VHS'd it so that I could watch it again and again. And if only you would have kept on to that tape, you could have bootlegged it years later at conventions. True, but no need. I now own the official DVD, actually both printings. Oh, both printings. Why don't you just fly down to Paraguay and see it in a theater like everyone else? (laughs) Did this get a theatrical release in some strange country? And what did they do to deserve that? I believe that Venezuela and Brazil is the countries that did, like, theatrical runs of a lot of these, but maybe Finland as well. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps some of the Norse Scandinavian countries that would appreciate the Norse mythology. This isn't just a Hulk movie, I want to point out. We get another new superhero. I'm getting a new one with my Lou. Yeah, we've been leading up to the Avengers, but here is where you get, like, the real appetizer for the Avengers, because you get, right on this movie, two characters that will team up in Avengers, Hulk and Thor. And I'll go ahead and cop to this. I was a mythology geek when I was a kid, and I always thought Norse mythology was really cool. I've never read a Thor comic in my life, and don't know how much it varies from the the stories of Odin and Valhalla, but I did like reading those stories. I did like the mythology that presumably the comic books are based on. So you should love this. Maybe. I guess we'll see. Yes. <laughs> I just ask you not to judge Kenneth Branagh's movie by this. But <laughs> That sounds like an early apology, doesn't it? <laughs> Is the beads of sweat already forming on your brow? Any more than I'd want you to judge Ben Affleck by what we're going to talk about next week. Oh. We've already judged Ben Affleck. Yeah, exactly. It's only up from there. But I found him not guilty. Yes. But what what's happening with this 
In my reading, I found that Bixby kind of hoped that maybe this would be a way to revive a Hulk series, but also, being a production studio now, this was also a possible way to make a spin-off Thor series. Mm-hmm. I suspected as much. It obviously didn't happen. I'm not reviewing Thor at the Venganza Media Gazette, but it was an attempt that we will discuss. Sure. Well, why don't we do that right now? Why don't you give people a plot summary? Well, when we last saw David Banner in 1982, he was walking off down the road with that Lonely Man theme playing. Yes, that was the last scene of the last episode that I'll be reviewing over at the Venganza Media Gazette. But now it's 1988, and David Banner has been Hulk-free for two years. He's living with a geneticist, Maggie Shaw, who's also his co-worker at the Joshua Lambert Institute. Under the alias David Banyan, David has worked there as a lab tech on a gamma transponder. The transponder is renowned for being a virtually endless energy source that will revolutionize the power industry, but David has secretly built the transponder to also flood him with energy that he hopes will cure him of the Hulk forever and allow him to move in with Maggie and hold a normal life. But forces are conspiring against David. First, Dr. Donald Blake, a medical student from Harvard who once heard David speak, comes to David. On an archaeology expedition where he was serving as the team medic, Blake came across the Tomb of Thor, a Viking warrior who was refused entry into Valhalla due to his pride. When Blake picks up Thor's Warhammer, Thor actually appeared before him, and now Blake can summon Thor, and he is Thor's master, but Thor will only act for just causes, for when he has accomplished enough good, he will be allowed entry into Valhalla. Banner, of course, doesn't believe the tale. So in the Gamma Transponder lab, Blake summons Thor, who is unruly in search of beer. A physical altercation breaks out and Banner transforms into the Hulk and the Hulk and Thor do battle. Surprisingly, the Gamma Transponder isn't totally destroyed, but the computer banks are damaged. For punishment, David makes Blake stick around to help fix the computers. But things are more tricky as Mr. McGee, who quit the National Register, gets his job back when he hears the Hulk's back in action, and heads to town to try and finally catch the Green Goliath. But complicating matters further, Zack Lambert, Joshua's younger brother, is jealous of his brother's success with the Institute. So Zack hires Cajun mercenaries Jack LeBue and Mike Fauché to kidnap the Gamma Transponder and David. The Transponder will be sold to the highest bidder for its use as a weapon or ransomed back to Joshua. Either way, Zack will then have his own fortune instead of relying on his brother's wealth. One night, while Blake and Thor are off bonding at a bar, the Cajuns try to take the transponder but are fought off by the Hulk. Realizing they can't get to the laser, they then decide to kidnap Maggie. Despite the best efforts of the Hulk and Thor working together, they cannot stop the Cajuns from kidnapping the geneticist, and the Mercs demand David turn over the Gamma transponder in exchange for his girlfriend. David, knowing the danger the transponder could be, fries its central processor so it would be worthless to terrorists. But with the kidnapping of Dr. Shaw, Zack gets cold feet about the deal, so the Cajuns shoot him. In the hospital, Zack makes a deathbed confession of his sins and asks forgiveness, and Joshua goes to confront the Cajuns while Blake, Thor, and David go to rescue Maggie. Of course, David hulks out, and it's a big old fight in which Maggie is rescued and the Cajuns are captured. But with the transponder destroyed and McGee sniffing around, David must again leave. Blake and Thor go off to their own series? No, I'm sorry, they go off to never be seen again, while David walks away to the Lonely Man theme once more. 
So that's the movie. And you know what? I said when we did our last show talking about Return of the Incredible Hulk, a.k.a. Death in the Family, that I was excited to get a chance to discuss the TV series opening credits because I thought I wouldn't get a chance to again. But here they are. Yeah. I was really shocked that this movie opened with the TV series credits. I don't think that there's a whole lot of budgetary goodwill for this production. I'll go ahead and put it that way. (laughs) They are bringing Hulk back, but not in grand style. I feel like normally in reunion things, you know, facts of life, they get them to go to Australia, they get them to go to Paris. There's usually a production budget to send their stars off in a big way that they couldn't do on week-to-week television. But with this one, yeah, we're going to use the credits we had before, and it's all going to take place in the Variety Building, a building I happen to know very well. 90% of this takes place in a newspaper in central Los Angeles down the street from CBS and NBC. <laughs> well, they had a beach location. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> but yeah. They did have the budget to change the title to a really terrible looking green that I guess the best video toaster around could provide. Like They add the Incredible Hulk from the 70s show and just put returns under it. (laughs) My point exactly. They just take what was being done by the series and stick a little thing on it to let you know it's continuing. And that's my problem from the get-go here is that I'm looking for something to be different. I didn't watch the last five years of show. Unlike Arnie, I don't really have a lot of curiosity about it, particularly if it's like that Death in the Family episode that we're calling a movie from last Friday. Not interested. But I'm still interested in seeing them do a movie. I still would have liked for this to have been a new storyline for characters that I had, if not a recommendation for, at least some goodwill from that pilot. I felt like there was potential there that largely went unmet. But this is not... A movie. Again, yet again, I'm stuck watching what I will call a two-part TV episode. And I'm going to put it out there. I was confused by the opening of this film. Yes, we got the recap. I know David Banner had some gamma radiation, can turn into the Hulk. But they jump right into this family life. He's been sober Hulk clean for two years now with Maggie. Did the last episode, did he settle down with Maggie? It seems like they wanted to pick up right from the last episode. I'm just thrown into the middle of all of this, not having watched the last four seasons that were years ago. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on at the beginning of this film. Well, I think that's somewhat intentional. I mean, no, he was not settling down with Maggie when the series ended because the series didn't know it was ending when it ended. They thought that they would at least get to finish out the fifth season. They didn't realize that when the writers struck, that was that death knell for them. This was all new, but I think they did a pretty good job with that opening montage dream sequence interspersing footage from the pilot with new footage of David and the Gamma Transponder and Maggie of at least telling us, you know, the series has been dormant for a while and so has David. The reason we haven't seen David in several years is because we haven't seen the Hulk in several years. And Stuart, you were the biggest one saying, would you want to watch this if there wasn't a green guy in it? Well, the green guy had a few years off. 
I'm glad that there has been some change in David's life. It was nice to actually see him partnered and reasonably happy because from what I could see, that whole show was built around a sap who passively got the shit kicked out of him week to week and then every half hour turned into Lou Ferrigno and beat up his bullies. I mean, that was the problem I was really, I think I can articulate it now, is that he's an incredibly passive character. <laughs> I like watching active characters. I like to see people that aren't complete saps. And it's nice that, hey, he's got a life. He's settled down. He's got a woman. But you know what? He is still a sap because even though Hulk is in remission, he's still trying to build a machine to exterminate it from himself. Wrong choice. Right off the bat, I'm mad that they are still going down that same path they did for five years. No, he is not trying to exterminate Hulk if Hulk no longer comes out of him. That's stupid. All right, a few things here. First of all, he is not an incredibly passive character. If you watch the series as it goes on, even the first episode, Death in the Family. Stuart, he gets involved with the Orange Grove to save the cripple girl. How is that passive? Yes. He's running away. He spends his whole time running away from his problems and his inner demons. And yet that's the thing that we're all there to see. We don't care about him. And we don't want him to eliminate Hulk. It's a stupid conflict that was played out far too long. And they're doing it again, even after all this time. It's a disappointment. He has to get rid of the Hulk. You have to think about this. If he gets old and cranky and is in the nursing home and they give him peas when he wants corn and he hulks out, I mean, that's not going to be good for anybody. So I do understand why he would want to get this uncontrollable beast away from him. A beast that he has has under control for two years now and that the woman that he's with knows nothing about. Just because it's been under control for two years doesn't mean that he's not going to run across a hive of bees once again. Yes, that happened. And (laughs) start getting stung and it brings out the Hulk. Yeah, that's lame. I really wanted him to be in a different place. I think the key to drama is that characters change. And this is the same guy that was in the pilot. This is the exact same guy. And we know, consequently, even this new life and this new woman and this new machine he's building... It's going to be all for naught, because what would this thing be without Lou Ferrigno popping out? It's a mistake, and I'm going to pinpoint it even more so. Now that they're paralleling him with a new guy and a new problem, they underline it even more that he's not in control of the Hulk. They should have made it that he now knows how to control the Hulk and can turn into the Hulk at will. But Stuart, that's classic boy, male power fantasy comic book stuff that you control the beast and you become strong whenever you need to. I think that's one of the intriguing things about the Hulk is that you become the cool superhero, but you have no control over it and that it's actually destructive. They've already played this out. How many more years of the same scenario do you need? I like his plight and I understand his fear of the rage beast inside of him. I am on his side and I hope the Gamma Transponder is going to work for him. I know it's not. I know that there's more Hulk movies coming, but I'm constantly hoping this man can find peace. And I think because I root for him is why I accept it. 
I want him to have peace too. Peace to understand that he's got this cool Hulk thing that he can command at any time to solve the problems that he as a human can never seem to solve. That is what I want him to do. This is why I don't do a whole lot of TV because the formula of it is aggravating me. I only had to watch two TV episodes and I want him to be different. Arnie watched the whole damn series and is still like, no, he must never change. I am with him. (laughs) Hey, this is from comic books. That's how they work. I guess maybe I'm more sympathetic to Arnie's side because I do love comic books and it's always a never ending second act. We never get resolution in them. It's just about the continuing story. And so I'm willing to go with it. There is no way that that would be interesting that anytime he wants, he can create the Hulk to do his bidding. Then he's just Superman. There's no dramatic tension. The Hulk is infinitely more interesting than Superman for that reason. I'm agreeing with you, Arnie. Well, that's why you read comic books and not a book, because a book has an ending, and I want an ending. It is not dramatically satisfying to see the same character with the same cheesy problems do it 500 times. It's not. I'm not saying I want to watch that 500 times. I'm watching these in chunks of a movie. And for the superhero to be uncontrollable and angry and it's a dangerous thing, that's much more interesting to me than watching Superman. You think this is a better concept than Superman the movie? Not in execution, but as a concept, yes. I'd be more intrigued if someone said, hey, here's this plot summary. That's more intriguing to me than, hey, here's a guy that's God and he's going to fly and save the world and nothing can hurt him. Yes. A reboot and revisiting a character that is much older, I'd just like to see him in a different place than he was before. I don't think I'm crazy to want that. But he is in a different place. He's secretly working at it, but he has again found love. He has again found work. And so long as nothing would come along to bring the Hulk back out, he is in control. But unfortunately, Donald Blake drives up and it all goes to hell. You would say Donald Blake is the reason he goes back to being the Hulk? Absolutely. If Donald Blake hadn't shown up, I believe that everything would have gone fine. I mean, he is firing up the transponder with its flight of the navigator eye and its high-tech CD drive with all those LEDs. You know, the state of the art for 88 when CDs were only for music and then only for the rich. And he was about to fire it on himself. And at the end of that, I firmly believe he either would have been healed or would have been dead. Either way, he'd have had peace. And who pushes stop on the CD player? Who screws up David Banner's life entirely? Who steals happiness from him? Donald Blake. Scrappy-Doo. No, no, I I thought it was much more, you know, if you ever saw Can't Buy Me Love, Ronald Miller from Can't Buy Me Love crossed with like flock of seagulls or something going on here. (laughs) I knew I was in the 80s now when Donald Blake shows up on screen. If there was any doubt. Donald Blake is David Banner 2.0. Same initials, same everything. Now, I gotta say for the initials, Donald Blake is the name of Thor's alter ego from the comics from the 60s. So the fact that it's the same initials as David Banner is actually a coincidence. Well, Stan Lee created them both, so... But he didn't create David Banner. That's true. This is getting far too nerdy for me. Look, they are directly (laughs) comparing and contrasting the fact the whole series is built around, hey, there's this new team up of nerd that has a muscle dude at his command. It's the latest version of this formula. It is David Banner 2.0. Is this like the inspiration for Kazam, the Shaquille O'Neal genie in a bottle movie? Because 
I don't get this version of Thor that they come up with. I'm just going to say comic books. There's Donald Blake who has like the soul of Thor put into him by Odin. So Thor can learn to be less prideful. And after being trapped in a cave in Norway by space aliens, he finds Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, and finds out he has Thor inside of him. And this... He's conjuring up Thor like a genie in a hammer, I guess. It's- no, he's doing it by the power of Grayskull, dude. This is totally <laughs> Masters of the Universe. You are not wrong. I thought the same thing. Prince Adam raises the hammer and He-Man shows up because Thor even looks somewhat like He-Man. Oh, no, they're jumping off the raving success of the Dolph Lundgren movie of the previous year <laughs> and doing the same damn thing. God knows why you'd want to copy Masters of the Universe, but that's what they were doing. A silly-ass cartoon that was past its peak and had jumped the shark with a Dolph movie had been Dolphed. Well, now they're going to do it on TV with this nerd and, yeah, his blonde, douchey friend. I didn't know that this was even part of the comic book lore. I thought Thor was his own entity that did not have a human counterpart. You're telling me that there are some versions of the comic where there's a duality? Yeah, there's Thor. His entity was cast down into Donald Blake, who is this crippled doctor, and is to teach Thor humility. And eventually Donald Blake realizes that Thor is inside of him and can make that transformation into Thor. But it was a lesson by Odin to try to teach him to be humble and less prideful. It was very much the whole Clark Kent Superman thing, but in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so wait, so wait. To be less prideful, he was put in a physician? It was a crippled physician. That's what humbled Doctor Strange was when he got crippled. (laughs) True, but it seems like if he wanted to be less prideful, they'd put him in a bum. I think they did. (laughs) Well, here, instead of being an alter ego, he's just summoned. And he's somewhat controllable. I mean, Blake says Thor follows his orders, but yet... They kind of have this odd couple thing going on. Yeah, no, this is a total 80s teen comedy. I thought right from the frat house, the nerd and the meathead are having to do the three-legged race together. I mean, this feels very much like something from the period, but not from the Hulk. I thought they had made it up. I had no idea that there was comic book connections at all that would link a nerd with this Norse god. It's such a ridiculous comparison. I kept thinking every time he screamed Odin about Ogre and that it was just a Revenge of the Nerds (laughs) kind of sequel, you know, Revenge of the Nerds 3. Here it is. Now, Thor. I've never really been a big Thor guy in the comics. You know, I I just don't like his dialect. But Thor here... This Thor is kind of awesome. Do either of you know the actor? I don't. I recognized his face. I did have to look him up to try to figure out where I knew him from. But this guy played Bear, the gay wedding dress designer who wore assless chaps in American Wedding, the third American Pie film. Well, I've seen that. I don't recall it, though. Maybe because he doesn't show his ass in this film. You don't remember the dance-off? Oh, I remember American Wedding and the assless chaps. I guess because we don't see his assless chaps in this film, (laughs) it didn't bring back that memory. Well, he has a much worse wig here and no beard, but I couldn't believe I was seeing him wearing basically Ugg boots and furs. I don't know what that is, but it's got to be a step up from this TV movie. I mean, this is the pits. What he has to wear, what he has to say, how he has to be hewed into this with this nerd. It's an embarrassment, not only for him, but for the Hulk. I mean, this is a ridiculous 
spinoff here at this point. We know the second that he arrives that he's sucking all of the air out of the room. It's Scrappy-Doo arriving in, on Scooby-Doo. It's suddenly we have this annoying thing that is going to steal the spotlight in a very negative way. I couldn't disagree with you more. The moment Thor shows up and he starts tearing apart the lab, and this is where I'm like, if you know he's destructive, why did you call him in the middle of a sensitive lab? Why is he looking for mead in the lab? Does he think these big computers are soda machines? What is going on? I think he thinks there are refrigerators. I had no idea why he was tearing apart this lab looking for a sip of water. (laughs) So he thinks they're refrigerators, thus they must be destroyed, and the refrigerators that they have back in Valhalla. I mean, come on. (laughs) No, there's no logical sense to why he starts breaking up the lab at all, except that he's the jock, and jocks hate anything smart, and, like, this is an 80s comedy cliche that they're doing here. Big, dumb, lunk guy is destroying the lab. But we have to have it happen. I don't understand why it is either. But every time Thor comes out, he does seem a bit unruly and pissed off. Like he's out with a vengeance. I think they're trying to make him seem like the Hulk in this first scene. But he picks on Banner. Banner gets pushed into a machine. Hulk out number one. First Hulk out in two years. And here, Stuart, I thought you surely would have rooted for this. Because your gripe was that he didn't have any enemies worth fighting. Here we get the Hulk's first super-powered battle for you. Whoa. I've seen him do a few, but... Whoa, Arnie. Good theory. There's no battle here, though. Yeah. They flex their muscles for ten minutes. Uh-huh. This is what I've been waiting for. The guy from Medieval Times fighting Lou Ferrigno. I mean, come on, Arnie. This wouldn't entertain at a children's birthday party, much less carry the movie. It's not even the battle of the movie. It's a fight to have because the plot necessitates that the machine that Banner was about to use be destroyed, and they have no better reason to do it than to have this meathead come in and break it for no reason at all. It's the worst kinds of writing to enable a terrible battle. One that is not even worthy of WWF. It's not even a battle. It's not even a fight. They literally just flex muscles. Did any of them throw a punch? Yes! Oh, come on! There's punches, there's hammers thrown, Hulk gets knocked back into a machine by the hammer. It's in slow-mo, but for TV, it's an astounding, exciting fight, and I'm loving this. Wow! This is astounding to you, because it's good. It's incredible! I think the only Hulk that I've seen that has done this worse would be Hogan in some of his worst matches. This is a WWF fight. You're right. It's more about flexing and acting cartoonish than it is about pushing any of the plot forward. They don't have a beef with each other. Like I said, because Banner can't control the Hulk, he's just raging ridiculously. Thor's just raging ridiculously. They don't have common goals that they're fighting for or against. It's not a battle. It's just chaos. It's comic book sense, though. How many times in comic books do two heroes come together, but due to a misunderstanding in the first issue, the two of them fight and get to really let the fans geek out about seeing two heroes fight each other. And then later on, when real trouble comes out, they have to team up and put aside their differences. It's Batman Superman. It's Hulk Thor. It's 
seeing Hulk. I mean, yeah, it's a total comic book cliche is that they fight each other, then come to understand they're on the same side and then go battle evil. It's classic comic book storytelling. They ought to bond over how bad their wigs are. They ought to go, like, get their hair did because they look ridiculous in this. And you are not going to tell me that this is a good fight, Arnie. I'm going to take you to a deprogrammer and get you some help. We're going to call Montel. We're going to call a talk show, something to get you some help. If you are this far deep into it that you're going to tell me that this first initial conflict between Thor and Hulk is a good battle in the grand tradition of comic books. I am going to tell you that for television, we said when we started Nick Fury at the start of this year that we were going to scale our expectations. If I went and paid $18 for a ticket for this, I might be pissed off. But for television, for the Hulk... For 1988, this is great. Okay. (laughs) Thank God I'm not living in 1988. I just don't know how you use that word great. Yeah, I know. They stare at each other and kind of fumble around, but not great. Did you watch this fight? There's punches thrown. Hulk picks up Thor and throws him through a window. Hulk gets electrocuted by a hammer. There's a lot of action going on for TV here. I am impressed by what they brought. Do you understand anything that's going on? At this point, I'm throwing my hands up and saying I have no idea what is going on. I don't think the writers do either. It is a fight to have a fight because they must fight so that we can bring them together at the end. And like I said, it is a way of postponing what Banner has been trying to do for five years. I guess maybe you have to be the comic book geek to enjoy this thing because I don't think it's a great fight, but it makes comic book sense at least. I think that you have to have very low standards because I'm not opposed to watching Thor and Hulk fight or even on this production value. I am opposed for the setup being what it is, for having no explanation why it suddenly comes out in this way. It comes about because it's character driven. (laughs) Arnie, every time I want to agree with you, you have to take it too far. Arnie. Arnie, Arnie, really, you need to just admit that you just can't not give a Hulk TV show a bad rating here. You're being far too forgiving for this. This is easily the worst of the three Hulks that we've watched. Not in the least. And, I mean, because Thor is arrogant and prideful and boisterous and a meathead, this all makes sense for me. Is it a little convenient? A little too convenient. I will completely agree with you on that score. But the rest of it, I think you guys are being overly harsh. I liked this fight. I like Thor in this. You know what the problem with the Hulk is? The problem with the Hulk in the TV series is he doesn't talk. We don't get anything good. All we get is a roar. He's he's like the bear he fought last time. Here, we get not only two big muscular guys going at it, but Thor has some great lines about, you know, calling him a troll and all of that. And the way Thor just loves having a worthy battle. And I'm with Thor because I'm on the Hulk side. But yeah, the Hulk's finally getting a worthy battle. I'm for it very much. And I can't believe you guys aren't. I enjoy Thor in this. He's got some great lines. Odin's beards for an ugly troll you're a fighter. It's goofy and it's fun. I don't think it's good, though. It's 
kind of keeping me engaged at this point, but I'm not going to say this is great character-driven entertainment. I smile when he called Banner a warlock. That was the only time, the only time that this Thor character amused me. Every other time he was on screen, I was screaming to Odin to take him back. He is a killer in this. They don't have much other movie other than him, so I can't say he ruined it. But this is the absolutely wrong superhero to pair Hulk up with here. It's ridiculous. I think it works. I think that it would have been nicer to see some contrast Instead of just two strong guys, you know, if they had the entire Marvel heroes to pick from, maybe they could have gone, I don't know, with a Mr. Fantastic type or something. They talked about Iron Man. That would have been interesting. Cheap, but interesting. I mean, keep in mind, post-Robocop, it kind of makes sense. But I liked this fight. At this point, I have no problems with Thor. I will have problems with Thor later on. But right now, where we're at, half an hour into the movie, I'm liking David's plight. I'm liking the story. I understand what you're saying about, yes, we have to just destroy the machine so David can't be happy. Yes, I get that. But... I'm liking how it's done. Where it starts to go to hell for me is in the next scene in the racquetball court. First of all, is racquetball even exist in the 21st century anymore? I used to play. It's a great way to meet Cajun assassins, actually. (laughs) They just, I guarantee I'm going to hit that ball against the wall. (laughs) I can't believe they actually did the Cajun cooks. I guarantee it. But they do. I guarantee I did laugh at that. These were when I was amused. This is when I'm laughing, Arnie. This is when I'm having a good time. Whenever these people are fumbling through. You got Doll Man trying to pretend he's a Cajun. I love it. That was that guy? Yeah, Tim Thomerson. That's Doll Man. I did not know him. See, this is where your love for childhood trash ends and mine begins, apparently. <laughs> I knew the other guy, Fouché. I mean, we, of course, know him. Charles Napier, he was in Rambo 2. And- yeah, why didn't he do that with a Cajun accent? That would have been a whole <laughs> new dimension of the Rambo franchise. And Silence. He was one of Lecter's guards that gets it in the famous breakout. Funny thing is, he was a regular part of the show. Most people didn't know. He did the Hulk's rawr sounds for the last few seasons. It was originally the guy who was Lurch on Adam's Family. He did the opening credits. But after he died, season two, Charles Napier did the growls he also was a villain in not one but two different hulk episodes neither one as fauché unfortunately uh, this is not the return of fauché from the series which is a shame i think it would have been good if fauché was to banner what khan was to kirk and we could have revisited hulk's greatest adversary but no these cajuns First of all, I didn't even know who any of these people were on the racquetball court. I didn't know Tim Thomerson. I thought that was Charles Napier and he'd had some work done. Because I'm like, he looks younger here than he did in Rambo. And then Zach Lambert, they didn't establish the Joshua Lambert character well. I understood David worked at the Joshua Lambert Foundation, but I thought maybe it was two people like Tim Joshua and Frank Lambert. I mean, who names a company both their first and last name? Well, here's the thing. In a well-designed, well-written script, which this is clearly not, and I hope I have no controversy in saying that, we would understand that the conflicts that are going going on between the brothers that run this laboratory are like the conflicts that go between Banner and his inner Hulk or the conflicts with Blake and his inner Thor, that they would tie all those 
together nicely, that you have a third storyline in which brothers duel and don't get along. However, yes, you don't understand why the younger brother doesn't want the older brother to succeed at the laboratory. I'm going to go one step further. I didn't know that they were brothers. I didn't know that this wasn't the older brother. I couldn't tell them apart from the one scene they had before, and especially sweaty on a racquetball court. Yes, I agree. It's difficult to know, but even if you figure it out, why would he need to go to Cajuns on a racquetball court to steal his brother's device and the scientist most responsible for creating it? To do what? We're told that this could be a powerful weapon. I've seen no example of that. And what would they use it for? To shoot gators? I mean, what <laughs> what could this possibly do other than create potentially future hulks. I don't know what this machine could do. Well, they talk about it being a power source. The Cajuns don't want it. The Cajuns want money. And whether they ransom the machine back to Joshua or they said sell it to the highest bidder. So they're not going to use it in the swamp. They're not taking it to Nolens. They're going to sell it to terrorists or rival organizations who want power. And they mention it could be a laser. So they're just going to sell it. But what makes no sense to me is Zach is like, I did this so I could have something of my own, so it's not everything given to me by my brother. So you're going to steal something from your brother and sell it and then call that money your own? That doesn't make sense. It only makes sense if you establish very, very clearly that the brothers don't like each other, that there's an internal conflict, that they are very much like Banner and Hulk. That, to me, would work, but that's a different script entirely. Or, you know what I would have liked? Instead of Banner and Hulk, because Hulk is uncontrollable, how about drawing a parallel between Blake and Thor, where the older rich brother is gregarious and a publicity guy who could go out, kind of the Steve Ballmer to Gates, if you've seen Pirates of Silicon Valley, where Ballmer was the one who could make the deals, but Gates was the one who could make the programs. And if Zack was a bit nerdier and things, and if they had that kind of thing going on, then you'd see the positive side as Thor and Blake Bond, and the negative side is Zack and Joshua go terminal. But it's not established here. I'm confused the entire time as to the plot of the bad guys. You say Thor and Hulk only fight to demolish the machine. I say there's only villains to give someone for Hulk to smash, because this plot does not makes sense. It feels shoehorned in, really. They should not have had human villains if they are bringing Thor and Hulk into battle. It should have been a battle about Thor and Hulk over something, and maybe they make peace at the end. But if we're here to see two superheroes fight, damn it, don't make it arbitrary. Those fights are arbitrary. It isn't long before they're teaming up and trying to take down helicopters and what have you. There really is no reason for them not to get along. That's a mistake. I actually think it is long before they're teaming up and taking down helicopters because there's some long, boring scenes in the second half hour of this film, like when Blake and Thor decide to go out for some male bonding at a bar? Whoa! Whoa, we're calling this boring? I think this is where my interest peaked. Like, now we just have a buddy film. We're going to the bar, the nerd's gonna learn how to pick up biker chicks because of my jock friend. This is so crazy by this point, I don't even know what I'm watching. I know what I'm watching, it's called 48 Hours. I mean, the music seems stolen straight out of 48 Hours. The bar seems like the same set from 48 Hours. I guess 
the nerd is Eddie Murphy. I'm not sure, but it really felt like that. And Thor's arm wrestling with bikers. I want to know what kind of bar this is because there's bikers and guys in cowboy hats. Is it a country western bar? Is it a biker bar? Is it the toughest bar in the world? I don't know. But come on, L.A. is full of bars like that. Full of country western biker bars. Absolutely. I'll take you next time you get here. Well, get some meat. The giant yeah. donut at the country western biker bar. I got it. Mm. <laughs> You know, it, these are the kinds of things that create what I imagine to be the spin-off series. When you talk about this being a Thor series, these parts of the movie are that show. What's weird about it is that it is being asked to be thought of in terms of the ongoing tragic, pathetic life of David Banner. It doesn't mesh tonally with Hulk. It might be satisfying that Hulk is fighting another supervillain, but it doesn't totally match. These are two separate things. They never should have met. It's a real mess. At this point, I've forgotten about the Hulk. I'm watching the Thor pilot now, right? This has become obvious that they're pushing Thor. The Hulk doesn't got a chance. We're using that because there's some nostalgia for it, but we're really using this to push a new series. I just was confused by the Sebastian Bach wannabe arm wrestling in a bar, and I just thought, hey, at this point, the movie's gone over the top. I don't know what to do with this film after this. It just blew my mind, literally, because I don't have much of a memory what happened after this. There's some chases and some fights, but... But I didn't know how to process what I was watching. I mean, we didn't even talk about McGee showing up uh, a whole lot older. Like, I don't know what this is all of a sudden. I was doing okay. I was keeping up. McGee, this is around his child's play era. This, sadly, will be Jack Colvin's last time reprising the role. Good. I've never liked this character. He's never lived up to what I thought he was going to be, which is an active character that actually shapes the problems and creates tension for Hulk. Really, he's just something to announce that Hulk must move on. Stuart, over the course of five years, that character actually got fleshed out. And you want to know what's really disappointing to me? Is that here, it's like they hit the reset button. I can understand why you're saying what you're saying about him. But over the years, he actually learned more about the Hulk. He saw the Hulk transform from a human. He didn't know who the human was, but he then was looking for a man who could turn into a monster. He became aware. We became familiar with why he was on the hunt for this creature. He really became humanized over the course of the series, and he's that series' unsung hero. Should McGee have been in this movie? Yes. Should McGee have been in this movie as he's used here? Hell no, because they are pissing on the character they built in the early series. They really could have had an opportunity here for that character to find the ultimate resolution. Instead, they just take him right back to where he was in the first two TV movies, and that's really a shame. Agreed. No argument here. And, and again, I want to stress, this is a movie. Movies allow you to do the things that you never do on the show. Maybe he finally does get the report about the Hulk. Maybe he actually does get to do one of the things that he's always wanted to do and never did. I mean, that is the point of doing a reunion movie, is to be able to seal the deal and do things left undone. You said Bixby was mad that he never got his final episode. This is not playing like this. This is not bringing 
bringing closure to his series. On the contrary, it's just spinning off an inane He-Man ripoff for no one because it will never be made. But you're missing the second thing that I said. In addition to Thor getting his own series... Bixby hoped Hulk would come back as a series. Oh, I see. Okay. Hulk the Next Generation. Keep in mind, Star Trek had just been revived a year before. Yes. He was not ready to put a bow on this career. You don't have to be done. You just have to do something new. The Next Generation wasn't Kirk with a new wig. It was, uh, you know, a new cast. You have to do something new if you bring it back. The refusal to accept that times have changed and maybe you play with the formula. That's the problem here, you know? he's a scientist he should know you're not going to get a different result by doing the same formula again and again and again and again he's not really a scientist Stuart. he just plays one on tv (laughs) but then the cajuns go after the laser and hulk stops them all alone it's hulk's one moment of solo glory in this entire film because thor was drunk and that's when the cajuns get the idea to go after the girlfriend who i forgot david had because i thought his girlfriend was donald i mean those two spend more time together this movie than david and maggie yeah yet another sappy woman i mean it's interesting on one hand it's progressive these women are always scientists they're always on the same playing field but they never get in on the action she exists here so that she can be captured and be the thing they have to reclaim i wouldn't say that's the case with dr marks i mean she was there to research him and just got killed in the process in this case yeah she's the trophy. No, she was there to die so that Banner had to go on the run. I mean, she didn't ever do anything. Uh, She wore that top that you see through just the nipples covered she did plenty in that film <laughs> okay all right you're making my point for me so i'll stop. i i, I yeah they, they're always sexy scientists yeah so when they go after maggie then of course donald happens to just be on his way and he can summon thor which is i still say too damn convenient and thor and hulk together can't stop the cajuns i do want to say i thought it was an interesting little scenario i hadn't thought about that was kind of a like hmm what would happen david goes down with a trank dart and he's starting to transform i'm wondering yeah will that impact him is he somebody separate can david be knocked out and the hulk still emerge and the answer is yes I thought that was kind of a new reveal. Have they ever done anything like that before? They've done similar stuff, usually with the same result. But I mean, there have been times if David gets knocked out completely, he can't get enraged, then he can't transform. That has happened many times in the past. So here it was suspenseful for me because I'm like, is he going to pass out or will he transform first? If he transforms first, he's fine. If he doesn't, though, he's down. And I really thought he'd go down because I figured they have to kidnap the girl. And Hulk had his solo moment. I thought this might be Thor's solo fight. But no, it ends up being the two of them against these guys. But you get two of the strongest people in the world and they can't stop a helicopter? Uh, you know, they should, they had to get away. I'm not going to fault it for the plot, the thin plot device that it is. Let me tell you why I fault it. Hulk alone stopped a helicopter in the series before. Now Hulk and Thor together can't? It should be a simple throw of Mjolnir at the helicopter and taking it down. It should last about half a second. Throw what? Yes, we're getting a little too comic book nerdy for you, Stu. We're talking about Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. <laughs> Thor's hammer has a first name. It's yes. Molinir. What? <laughs> I thought you were the mythology. Don't uh, this is, don't you like Norse mythology? You should know this. Come I, on. I was a child. I don't remember it very well. I remember liking it. Let me clarify. His name's Molnar. Oh, Mjolnir. Yes. <laughs> like like all great men, he names his hammer. 
I see. Yes. Okay. So now that they have Maggie, their plot is very convoluted. They kidnap Maggie so that they could get the transponder and kidnap David so that they could ransom David for money. I'm again confused about the bad guys, but David decides he has to make the ultimate sacrifice and destroy the transponder himself consciously, not through a accidental act of Hulk, but David is going to undo his own work. Why would they want a machine that was broken anyway? It's not worth anything. It's already broken. (laughs) Give it to them. (laughs) You know, they can't fix it. But they want David to so that they'd have a gun to his head to fix it. (laughs) So he's going to break it really so bad that he can't fix it, even though he knows how he broke it because he wasn't the Hulk when he did it. And it was done as a team effort. And presumably they wrote some of this stuff down and (laughs) could rebuild it. That's kind of my plot point as well, is that there's nothing you do in science that can't be redone. I mean, he's sitting there, and it's like he's killing his dog when he puts that piece in the microwave. And I just think that he could stick around and fix it, right? Not only that, but if this has the unlimited potential to change the way we consume energy, that it has worldwide ramifications, and he gets a girlfriend a week, and they never live anyway, I think Maggie can go down. I think we can lose a Maggie to get this amazing new Gamma Transponder. I'm sorry, Maggie. You're cute and all. You got a little Gina Davis fly thing going on. But at the end of the day, you don't matter to this story. You don't matter to me. Let's keep the machine and lose Maggie. You can have her. I guarantee she's not worth it. And also, we get my favorite scene of the entire movie here. And this is McGee is now really snooping around. There have been two Hulk sightings and a Viking sighting. McGee is, like, jizzing all over his pants. And he finds out David Banyan lives in the area. And he goes to visit David in the apartment. You're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And they get Thor to answer the door and pose as Banyan. I love the dialogue in this scene. He's like, I'm looking for a man. You have found one. I'm looking for a particular man. I am a particular man. I love the performance Thor gives in this scene. I agree, Arnie. You know, there's another mythological hero in the Marvel Universe, Hercules. And this Thor seems to be playing much more of the Hercules role as he's portrayed in the comics. Very boisterous and kind of doesn't understand this world that he's in. And so I'm enjoying this. It's that fish out of water feel, the big hulking kind of idiot. It's fun, though. And I'm not enjoying a whole lot here. I got to hold on to something. At least this is making me kind of giggle. All right. Well, here's, I guess, what I'm saying. Up to this point, nothing in the Hulk has been fun or funny. It has largely been a tragic story with a horror monster inner demon thing. This doesn't feel weird to you guys that we have so much of this yucking? I totally agree. Like, these are two characters, you know, talking about an odd couple. These are an odd couple, and this writing does not give them a reason to be together. It does not even out that tone. It does not find a way for them to work. It is very weird. If the juxtaposition of tones is as radical in the upcoming Avengers movie as it is here, that does not bode well at all. You, You must admit, Arnie, you may be liking it. You're making a huge leap to accept it within the world of the David Banner, Bill Bixby Hulk. Again, I'm coming to this with 82 episodes of Hulk under my belt. They weren't all as morose as those first two. But yes, this film is very uneven because the whole thing, any of the David scenes feel like 
they're cut from one movie and the Thor scenes do feel like they're cut from another. Instead of having two different series relaunched coming out of one thing, it feels like some editor was channel flipping, found two totally separate shows, one a comedy, one a drama, and spliced them in together. I'm not enjoying this Thor stuff at all. I'm hating every second of it. So why do the Cajuns kill the brother? Because the brother started to get cold feet about them kidnapping Maggie because she's a woman and she's innocent or something. No, I understand why he doesn't like the idea that now suddenly a woman is hostage at gunpoint in a foundry. Why would they go and shoot and kill him? Because they don't need him anymore and they're afraid he's going to turn them in. He's going to... They need him so badly. They're trying to get a broken machine. They don't even know what it does. This was a poor choice on LeBeau's part. If LeBeau had been wanting the machine because he was going to use it as a weapon that's your plot the fact that he just wants a bunch of money and doesn't care how he gets it this is not your plot and why would the older brother pay the men that killed the younger brother to get back the machine that he already has the biggest flaw here is why didn't lebeau shoot until zach was really dead we see in beverly hills cop one in the gut one in the head why zach was allowed to go and say by the way those cajuns they killed me i hired them (laughs) go to the foundry you'll find her in this room yeah we got to get to the climax (laughs) i mean that's really what made no sense is he shot at the foundry and the next scene he's in not the morgue but the er it's like what the hell but yes it's just this whole evil doer plot is not even serviceable. It's just poor, poor, poor. But we have to get to a big end fight, right? Yeah, let's do it. We gotta have Thor and Hulk together. And that means we have to make Banner mad because the situation's not angering enough that his girlfriend is in peril. They have to have the older brother drive up and screw up the plot and smack him around. Like, you know, it's not enough that, hey, the girlfriend I know is in danger. That's gonna turn me into Hulk. It's like, no, and you get bitch slapped. <laughs> I like that, you know, Thor asks David to transform and he's like, I can't, I won't. Cause again, he, Hulk is is conceivably a danger it's a berserker situation where you don't know what he'll do but then when he does hulk out i love how thor goes i knew he thought it was a good plan come on troll i got a smile i like playful thor yeah that's a chasm we're not gonna cross here i don't know who i'm fighting for maybe just the commercial break i'll tell you what i don't like i don't like when blake picks up the uzi and starts shooting people in the crotch <laughs> was a shocker <laughs> on a family uh, like little kids watching to have a supporting character be empowered by getting machine gun and mowing down other people i was stunned i actually gasped when that <laughs> happened and the fact that he doesn't even get a bullet himself for that like that's cool he's gonna take the credit actually for this massacre and <laughs> explain to the cops that he did all of it Come on, Stuart. Wasn't this around the time where he had a RoboCop cartoon and a Rambo cartoon for kids? Yeah. This was the norm in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, Joe's never really did kill anybody for all of that machine gun (laughs) fire. I just, it's weird to me to see in family entertainment someone actually get killed out of a semi-automatic weapon. I'm not sure he killed anyone. Again, he shot one guy in the knee and the other in the crotch. 
Charles Napier is dead. No, Charles Napier hops in a car that Thor hits in the front with a hammer, which is cool. And the car rolls, and we don't know if Napier's dead or not. I'm assuming he's not, because Napier was still just the second in command. LeBeau has to face off with the Hulk, and the Hulk doesn't kill LeBeau. I'm like, I'm actually watching the scene, and I'm on the edge of my seat going, holy crap. Hulk smash him dead. I thought the Hulk was going to finally kill someone. No, the Hulk just ties a pipe around him. That's when I'm like, all right, nobody died. There were a lot of injuries, but nobody's dead. No, there was definitely someone that got shot and fell off a second floor railing. He got shot, but again, he got shot in the crotch and fell I thought backwards. Let me put it this way. I interpreted this scene as a massacre. And it was weird because the big strong dudes were tying people up in pipes. And the little wimp was actually blowing people away. Here's the thing is, if the little wimp can pick up an Uzi and start shooting people, why does he need Thor? I agree. That's what kills me. Is You know, if Banner suddenly started to work out, it would really make the Hulk less cool. Wait, who's going to teach Donald how to pick up the chicks, though, on the beach? That's why he needs Thor. You know, you can't just pick up an Uzi and impress the girls. So what does Thor learn by hanging out with Blake? Humanity. Acceptance of nerds. Because <laughs> he doesn't even seem embarrassed by him. The humility he's supposed to be learning on Earth. Well, maybe that'll come in future episodes we just don't see. Instead, we get to see him running on the beach in leather pants. <laughs> This is my memory. I haven't seen this movie in many, many years, but my memory has always been Hulk and Thor running on the beach. Yeah, I got an Apollo Rocky vibe. (laughs) Not enough thigh (laughs) close-ups. And I do love the 80s fashion on that girl Thor tries to pick up. Killer bathing suit, fluorescence, everything, yeah. So I understand what these guys are going to do. They're going to go try to make their own way, and their story here is done. But someone explained to me why Banner is going to get on the road and hitchhike again. McGee. It's always McGee. He says to Blake, McGee's sniffing around. I'm pushing my luck, staying as it is, because he loves Maggie so much, he wants that last night together. McGee? His editor's not even printing his stories anymore. I just don't see it anymore. If he's that close to solving his problems and in love with this woman, there's just no reason to hit the road again, other than you do what you always do. I think you're right. I think that... It's setting it up because Bixby wants to go down the road to the reunion series or the next movie or something. But really, he is so close and McGee is so neutered this movie, isn't he? In addition to looking bad, the man's just completely whipped. He's quit his job when we first see him. He begs for it back. He sniffs around a little bit, and then in the last scene, he's back getting just completely chewed out by his bosses. And if McGee had had a stronger arc here, I would have bought it. If McGee got his story and Banner really had to run, if the intensity was going to be ratcheted up even more, if this ended with McGee knowing Banner is alive and the headline, Banner alive on a newspaper, and he had to flee because now his girlfriend knew his secret. I would go with it. The way it is, it feels lazy, convenient, and habitual. Where I felt really upset for David when Elena died in that pilot movie, here when Maggie's standing there with her dog going, it's no use, he's gone. I'm like, really? That's it? He's like, 50 feet away. You're not gonna, like, 
try. Arnie, have you ever tried to run on sand? It's really tough. <laughs> Thor did it in leather pants. He's a god. Come on. Hey, every other chick he's ever had ended up dead. She's probably lucky to be alive. <laughs> I thought there was at least a 50% chance she was going to get the axe. And he never got to him her bell bottoms. It is a tragedy. Well, I guess, Jacob Stewart, do either one of you recommend The Incredible Hulk Returns? Jacob? There's a line in here, I think, that sums it up. And this comes from Bill Bixby. This is the 80s. I don't know what a good cause is anymore. You're damn right. Because if you thought this was the way to take the Hulk and to maybe get another spinoff for your production company, you really don't know what good is anymore. I mean, we've covered it all, I think. The tone is all over the place with this boisterous, joyful Thor character versus this melodramatic, angry Hulk. I think there's a way that could have worked out, but not in this one. Not what was given to us. It doesn't work. The conflict, I just don't care about it. I don't care about these Cajuns trying to steal the Magic Gamma machine and do whatever they're supposed to be doing. I don't care about anything in here. There's moments where I'm giggling because it's just so damn goofy. I'm having flashbacks to the first half of Nick Fury and David Hasselhoff. But like I said, the second half of this, after that bar scene, I don't know where my mind went. I held on to so little because it was just fight and helicopter and just all the stuff I've seen before. wasn't interested. This is the worst one we've seen yet for these whole TV movies. Not recommended. Stuart. It's Darwinian. You know, you evolve or you die. They can't bring Hulk back and have him be exactly as he was before. And you can't expect Scrappy-Doo, or in this case, He-Man, to carry that weight. I mean, that's the expectation here, is if we give him a colorful sidekick, that should be the new coat of paint. But... They needed a whole lot more than that to keep this going at this point. I can't imagine, because I haven't even had to watch all the episodes, of how stale this concept would seem to me if I had. But just having gone through the pilot, Death in the Family, and seeing this, it's just depressing to me that they cannot give this character, Banner, the person that we've been following, something new to do. I think that it really just lacks imagination here and i hated thor so until they can at least give him a colorful sidekick i can't begin to recommend any hulk movies this is the worst this is a big steep drop off even from that thing we watched on friday this is the pits strong not recommend i will admit that i had a hard time trying to determine whether or not i was going to recommend this because I feel like this show I've come off very positive, but that's because I feel like you guys were beating on this so hard, like a couple of brutes on Banner, and Banner wasn't hulking out to defend himself. I felt like I had to come to the guy's aid, but this movie has a lot of problems, and the biggest one to me is the villains, or lack thereof. I had to go back and rewatch certain scenes to try to cobble together a plot summary that made sense of why they did what they did. And a lot of this action is really poor. I mentioned the helicopter scene looking just really bad. The Hulk-Thor fight is great for television, but it's not very good. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I believe you said great oh, earlier on. Yes. And I also said for television <laughs> with the lowered expectations. I see. So you will divide it to the death from me, but when you turn to the people, you will say, yeah, not very good. But there's a lot in this I did enjoy. I enjoyed 
Thor's gregariousness. I enjoyed the fact that there was somebody to banter and call Hulk a troll. I liked seeing the Hulk through the eyes of a Norse god, I guess. A perspective we don't get enough of in Hollywood. (laughs) Yes, I think the Norse are very underrepresented in mass media. It's the damn liberals. But where I really struggled, though, was because I recommended last week's Death in the Family. You know, I judged that only as a television series. But there's stuff in this Hulk Returns that's back to Red Brown for me. I mean, some of it really is back at that Red Brown territory. So where I finally had to come down to is, is this worse than Death in the Family? A hair worse, and it would be a not recommend. But the truth is, this is vastly more entertaining than Death in the Family. This has things that made me laugh. It had things that made me excited. And I don't know that I'll ever be able to forget how excited I was to see Bixby and Ferrigno back after so many years when I watched this live on TV in 1988. I mean, I think Thor said it best. I told you we'd win the day, Banner. Odin willed it. I'm going to recommend this for fans of the Hulk series, of which I am one. Recommend. Died it through and through. The question I have at this point, is there something Hulk could do that you wouldn't recommend? I just don't know anymore. I think it's going to be up green arrows the whole way here. And maybe red arrows for me. I honestly thought you might give this one a pass, because it gave you what you wanted. Hulk fought a super being. But, I don't know. We'll have to see next week when we come back with the trial of the Incredible Hulk, but I'm tending to agree with you. I'm wondering if there's a Hulk property at this stage that I won't recommend because maybe my affection of it has made me such a fan that I can't turn it away. Maybe that's the case. We will see. But yes, next week we'll be back with Hulk again and this time Daredevil. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Does it help if it's not played by Affleck? (laughs) I don't know yet. (laughs) I can't believe that I have to face these two. <laughs> God, Daredevil and Hulk. Okay. Woo. It'll be the trial of Stuart next week. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time, puny human. Fine battle we had, eh, Banner? Me and your troll? I told you we'd win the day, Banner. Odin willed it. When the troll's upon you, you're a mighty fighter. You're not bad yourself. (laughs) I know. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Incredible Hulk retrospective series. You know what scares me the most? Is it when it happens, when it comes over me, and I totally lose control. I like it. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. Whether you know or care. I've got a lot of pride in what you've done, but this is too big for you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie based on the Marvel superheroes through the release of The Avengers this May. I've done my homework. The work you're doing here is dynamite. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to check our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel comic movie series, such as Ghost Rider, X-Men, Howard the Duck, Man-Thing, Blade, and Captain America. You think I should? Yeah, you're great with that stuff. If we don't get impressive results today, we're going to have a really hard sell come Tuesday. Well then, let's go be impressive. You can also listen to our non-comic-based movie reviews such as Predator, Rocky, Rambo, Star Trek, Terminator, The X-Files, and many more. 
How little you understand, Miss Ross, and how dangerous your ignorance has become. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Cowboys and Aliens, Inception, and Avatar. It was like a dream. About what? Rage. Power. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. We're going to have to watch that temper of yours. You know, my mother always used to tell me getting angry doesn't help. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You can trust me to do what I think is right, not what you think you want. The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Let's go. I'll go. You just watch me go. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You cannot imagine the unbearable finality of it. What can I do? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Come on, Bruce. Let's see what you got. You think you can live with it? Take it. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy panties, t-shirts, coffee mugs, calendars, teddy bears, and much more. You see, I can partake with the essences of all things. (laughs) Do you really believe that I am separate from you? Now Playing's Incredible Hulk Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. You poor soul. I guess we've all got our crosses to carry. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. This will be the greatest performance of your life. And the last. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises, Universal Studios, or Image Entertainment. The Incredible Hulk and all of the Marvel Universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company and no infringement is intended. Peace of mind is for the dead, my friend. I guarantee. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Think of all the harm they've done to you, to me, to humanity. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. I suppose I'm leaving now. Good guess. We've caused enough trouble. Call me when there is war to wage, demons to fight. Farewell. Farewell. yelling yo Ode- why am ah. why are why you am- yelling yoda? yoda i'm wondering yeah, why I you're know. yelling yoda <laughs> <laughs>two more weeks of bixby before we get to banna so don't even he's he's, he's going gangsta on us that's how passionate he is about these films
<laughs> Yo, boy, I can command my Hulk and get it on your ass. What is this turning to Jersey Shore? <laughs> His name is Banna, right? Er- Eric Banna? Oh, oh you're good. <laughs> we I thought, thought you were just dropping David the R. Yes. <laughs> no, that's not gangster. That's Maine. David uh, Banna. Okay. No, Banna. Eric Banna. Oh. Every time he screamed Odin about Ogre and that it was just a Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> kind of sequel, you know, Revenge of the Nerds 3. Here it is. No, that's Nerds in Love. Wait, no, that's four. Uh, three is the next generation. Be careful, Stuart, or you're going to end up on that one, too. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, sir. I have to say, I have no problems. All right, I can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Thought, hey, at this point, the movie's gone over the top. Yeah, you're telling me it wasn't a problem for you until this scene. Actually, I was making a Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling pun, but... Yeah. (laughs) This... That David Banner... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to jump in on that. Yes, because in in season two, episode uh, 13... (laughs) Go ahead, Arnie. I'll I'll jump in on that while you go (laughs) f*** yourself. How about that? (laughs) Ooh, someone's turning a little green. Arnie, why are your eyes so white? (laughs) Stuart... You want that f*** with my childhood? Couldn't he have just made a Thor show without Hulk? Since Hulk's not really helping him get his show, it's they're not trying to make another Hulk, at least tonally. Why couldn't they have just made a Thor show? I think it would have been far more successful not to have had the Hulk in here at all. Putting Thor with something people would want to see would likely give Thor a larger base than just launching the Thor show alone. It's the same reason Mork started off on Happy Days. I I guess. I mean, it makes no sense for Mork to be in the 50s, but people would watch it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, when we go off into Mork and Mindy, I don't even know where to go now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Rep Brown didn't need any Lou Ferrigno plugs, at least until they made Cage together in a couple years. But, uh, you know, I... <laughs> 